Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our message today. So excited to share the word with you. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Luke. We're going to start in chapter 2, a very familiar passage for the holidays. Today I'm going to talk about Christmas traditions, Christmas traditions, home for Christmas series and talking about some of our traditions that we do and gather around the home. Luke chapter 2 is a familiar one for my family. We always read the Christmas story at some point throughout the weekend whenever we're gathering for Christmas. Typically we like to do it before we open presents. Uh, before we give gifts to one another, we like to receive the message of God giving his gift towards us. We also like to have a time of prayer that's kind of a tradition as well. And I think it's good even for our kids because they get so anxious to open presents, it's good sometimes to pause and just make them wait a little bit longer, right? And just hear the real meaning of why we gather, why we give gifts to one another. It's all because God gave a gift to us, amen? It's why we give gifts to one another. When you love someone, Many times it expresses itself in a gift, and we got to think that way even about God and how he so loved us. God's the first gift giver, right? First generosity gift giver, and he gave his only son. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken by Quirinius, who was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, what the angels had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart, thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. Isn't that beautiful? It's one of our traditions, hopefully one of your traditions as well, in talking about family traditions, home traditions. And I want to point out the fact that the Word of God tells us that that heavenly host of angels, uh, we had a little fun time with the missions committee this last week, and we were doing one of those Christmas um, trivia things. And one of the questions was, was it a heavenly choir that showed up when the shepherds, you know, heard the story? And a lot of people said, yeah, it was a heavenly choir. But in reality, that word, hosts, talks about the armies of heaven. 
the armies of heaven showed up and declared glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And I think it's significant, there's just a little side thought, that the announcement of Jesus coming, the announcement of the Savior being born, wasn't just a choir singing, but the reason the armies of heaven were shouting and celebrating is because the King of heaven had been born into the earth. Sometimes we forget how this is not just little cutesy religious talk or church talk, that it's the kingdom of God invading this earth. And we become a part of the kingdom of God. We don't become a part just of some belief system or some church or religion. We become a part of the kingdom of God. So some of our traditions, many of our traditions are similar, but I'll just talk about some of our personal ones. We always like to decorate the house around Thanksgiving. Anyone a Thanksgiving Christmas decorator? Anybody? Raise your hand if that's you. Go ahead. It's okay to raise your hand today. All right. We try to do it like day after Thanksgiving or so, get the house together. Some of the things that the Kringles like to do, which by the way, we should do a good job. Our last name is Kringle, right? So if you're going to do one holiday, you should do Kringle. And, and I don't have a problem with Santa Claus. I can't. He's in the family tree. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes people have a problem with Santa Claus. I can't. It's just the way it is. But we have our tree that we put up. That's tradition. We have our Christmas village. Anyone have Christmas villages or winter villages that you put up? Aren't those fun? Since Marie and I, well, we were about married about five, six years, we started collecting one village piece uh, per year. And now we've got this, so many village pieces. I got to start building these things. People are showing me Pinterest ways to like put more layers out. So I love that. And the kids love that. And that's just something for us having these like Christmas village pieces. That's a family tradition for us. Christmas movies. How many of you are Christmas movie buffs during the holiday season? Yeah. Some of us aren't. I mean, some people are like, I don't want to watch a Christmas movie. You want to watch whatever you normally watch and that's fine. But for some of us, Christmas movies, which would include White Christmas for us, the Bing Crosby White Christmas. Any fans out there? White Christmas has to be on the list, right? Any Polar Express fans out there? The Santa Claus series, anybody? Santa Claus series? It's a good one, right? Miracle on 34th Street, any of those? So all these, you've kind of got your running list of like Christmas movies. I already told you a couple weeks ago, Muppets Christmas Carol. If you've not watched it, I'm telling you, I know you laugh at me. It's a good one. It just touches me right here every time. So Muppet's Christmas Carol. So we have our Christmas movies. And then, yes, I will be honest, we are also a Hallmark Christmas movie family. Hallmark Christmas movies. You say, Pastor Kevin, there's no such thing as Hallmark Christmas movies. It's the same movie. It's just repeated with different faces. You understand, right? It's not, it's not multiple movies. It's the, it's the Christmas singular Hallmark movie, and they just put different people in it throughout the whole thing. There's always the, we always call it the, the bump somewhere where they meet each other with some sort of an accidental bump. They spill their coffee, they drop their books. They always run into each other somehow, like physically run in. That gets your attention. We know how this goes. That gets your attention. The eyes meet and love begins to blossom, right? That's what happens. And then at some point, about an hour into the movie, there'll be an almost kiss moment. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. They're, they're, and then a kid will walk in or someone will interrupt them. And they're like, ah, ah, ah. no, not yet, not yet. Because you know, in the Hallmark movie, the kiss happens when? At the end. And then credits roll because that's all there is. There's literally nothing after the kiss. It's the entire thing. Now you'll watch it and you'll say, Pastor Kevin was absolutely right. That's exactly. But yet we watch it repeatedly and we enjoy it. It's great. And most of the time, it's not even about Christmas. It's about 
just two people falling in love, and there's just Christmas decorations in the background, which makes it a Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movie. How many of you make cookies? Anyone make Christmas cookies? Christmas cookies? Yeah. Yeah, we have some Christmas cookies coming this week that we're going to be making. One of my favorites are called Haystacks. Uh, they have these little, like, oriental noodles and marshmallows and butterscotch and peanut butter. Oh, my goodness, it's delicious. And I will eat a bunch of those, and I will ride my, ride my treadmill for about a week afterwards. So I've already got a plan. I've already figured it out. Christmas cookies. We have these traditions, singing Christmas carols. Anyone Christmas carol singers at all? Raise your hand if you like Christmas carols, like singing those things. Important, putting up a nativity. If, how many of you put up your nativity? Now we're going to start getting into the message a little bit here. These things are important. The reading of the Christmas story, the decorating, I believe even the decorating of our houses is important. The putting up of our nativities is important. Making sure that we're, we're taking time to listen to what it is that we're singing about in those Christmas carols. As we read the nativity story, as you put up those pieces of the nativity somewhere, these traditions are important. Why? Why are they important? Let me give you just a few reasons of why these holiday traditions become important. One, they bring us back to good memories and good feelings. I think that's one of the reasons we do it. It's why we listen to those same songs year after year. It's why we bake those cookies. My mom used to, used to bake those haystacks, so Maria's now taking that on as something, just to bring me back to that sense of when I was a kid and I'd grab one of those, you know, first haystacks that my mom would make for the season. And we need to, it's important for us to go back and experience good, godly, healthy emotions and feelings. Traditions help us do that. Good, godly traditions help us do that. Your godly emotions on the inside are meant to get stirred up by hearing these stories again and again. There were every year our mind, our will, our emotions comes back to certain things and certain feelings and certain beliefs get stirred back up in our hearts. I was thinking about 1 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning. It's not in my notes, but you can write it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 4 where Paul says, I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came to you in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. If you read that in the Amplified Bible, in the Amplified Classic Bible, what he says is the words I speak as they're being presented to you, they stir up within you the most holy of emotions. There's something about these, these verses that we just read. There's something about these songs, these carols that are filled with our doctrine, filled with our beliefs. They stir up within us the most holy of emotions, and that is so good for us. Because sometimes we don't realize that our emotions can get a little jaded. Our emotions can get a little um, disconnected from things. We get full of fear, anxiety. We get filled with all kinds of stuff from the world. But in comes these holidays. In comes these traditions that we pause and we force ourselves to hear some things, to see some things, to say some things, to sing some things, to feel some things. These traditions can be used of God in so many powerful, powerful ways. So one of the reasons it's important that we do create traditions, especially around the holidays, and we fulfill those traditions and we continue to do them, is to bring back some of those healthy memories. Even some of your family members that have gone on to be with the Lord, I preached on it a few weeks ago. It's so important that you do remember, that you don't try to ignore the fact 
that yes, it hurts they're not there right now, but what if we use Christmas to remember them, celebrate them, and to let ourselves remember the good times and let ourselves taste some of those things that we used to taste or remember the thoughts that we used to think or feelings we used to have. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's part of our healing process. It's part of how we remember. Our traditions help us remember. They help us bring us back to some good memories, some good feelings. That our traditions also remind us of what we believe. Setting up those nativities, they help us remember that we aren't just gathering for presence, we're gathering because the Savior has been born. That God came Himself in the form of a child, born of a virgin, to be the Savior of humanity, to be our Savior. Savior from hell, Savior from eternal death and separation from God, saved from sin, saved from the devil, and saved unto eternal life, saved unto the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. And so those traditions remind us of what we believe, putting that star on the tree or the angel on the tree. And I always appreciate my kids, they're always like, Dad, we want you to put that star on the tree. One day they'll put the star on their tree. But today in our home, they're like, Dad, you got to do it. You got to put that star on the tree. And it's just a moment where it brings us back to that star that guided the wise men to find the Savior. Again, these are things we believe. These are things, they're not just Bible stories. It's repeating our history. It's real history. Do you understand? This is not just bedtime stories. This is the timeline of the earth. These things really happen. There's a specific day on the calendar. Now I know it's not December 25th, but that's when we choose to celebrate it. When the Savior came into the natural realm. The King of the universe put on flesh and came into the natural realm to save us. We go through these traditions to remind us of what we believe. The Christmas story, it's important to read it. And, to and not just read through it like let's get through it, but to read it with fresh eyes and a fresh heart. These traditions, and when we go through them again and again, it's a great opportunity as well to teach future generations. So when your grandchild comes up to you and says, why do we put up the nativity? Or what does it mean? It's not just, hey, kids, get the nativity up. It's pretty. Come on. You talk through the meaning of that nativity. You talk through the meaning of that star on that tree. You talk through the meaning of that Christmas story. The songs that we sing, that, that we help our children sing those songs where it says, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Amen? O come, O come, Emmanuel. God is with us. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. It's important to bring some of those songs. I love some of the current modern Christmas music, but it doesn't have all of our belief systems in it. We need to make sure we are singing some of our carols because there's a reason. Our traditions carry our beliefs that we then pass on to future generations, which is also why it's important that you do make sure you, you show up to things like Christmas Eve services. We're going to have a beautiful one next week or this coming Saturday, 4 o'clock. Say 4 o'clock. So to make sure you sing some of those carols, to make sure you go through some of these traditions and to help your children sit there with you and experience them with you so that out of their lips they're declaring their history. We're declaring our history, our heritage 
as we fulfill and do these family traditions, these family of God traditions. They're teaching moments for future generations. And they also finally keep us focused on coming promises from God. You know, the promise of God being fulfilled in the nativity is a declaration of the promise of God for all of us and everything he's promised us. There's so much to be learned if we would pause and take some time to let these stories talk to us. We were in an impossible situation, lost in darkness, under the foot of the devil, full of sin. How can a sinner save themselves? How can a man or woman make themselves right with God? An impossible situation. But God made a promise at the moment of our fall that the Savior would come and that the seed of a woman would crush the head of the devil, crush the head of the serpent. In the moment of our fall, in the moment of our failure, in the moment of our mistake, God already had a solution. And isn't that just like God? In the moment of our need, God's already got the answer. For every problem, there's a promise. And then God is faithful to that promise. Now, this promise had an appointed time. Some of your promises have an appointed time. Do you understand there's more to be learned in these stories than just Christmas stories? God saw an impossible situation. You might be living in an impossible situation. And God has a way to work it out. God has a promise he's given you. And at the appointed time, that promise will come to pass. And it may not come to pass the way you thought it was going to come to pass. You're like, wow, I didn't realize the nativity story was that big of a deal. It's a huge deal. And inside of that story are a thousand other sermons that you can preach. Preach to your kids, preach to yourself. That God would even change the laws of nature, having his son be born of a woman that's a virgin. God isn't limited on how he's going to meet your need. He's going to fulfill the promise. Isn't that powerful? And so these stories, these traditions, if we let them, they can inspire us to believe God for future promises. It's not just about this one promise. But God changes not. Amen. It's about all the promises. That's really good, Pastor Kevin. I know. That's why I shared it with you. It's amazing. We sometimes, and this is where my heart was at for this weekend, we sometimes lose our traditions and we stop making the effort to go through our traditions. And there's reasons for that. But I want to warn us today. I really felt encouraged to bring you back to your home, bring you back to your traditions, not in vain tradition. We're not looking for vain tradition, thoughtless tradition. We're talking about traditions that have faith in them, traditions that are connected to meaning. And I'm here to challenge some of us to maybe go back and do some of your traditions again, to go back and set up that tree. You say, well, Pastor Kevin, you know, trees are pagan things or whatever. Listen. I don't know where the origins came from. Actually, I do know where the origins came from. I'm not worried so much about that. I would be more concerned. I would rather you use the moment to set up your tree and put your family decorations on it and remember your kids when they were five and their little handprint on that little ball. We don't use Christmas trees to worship pagan things, right? We've redeemed that symbol. We've redeemed it and we use it to share beautiful times with our families. Okay, Christmas lights and all those things. But here's what I'm saying. Sometimes we get too... There's a couple reasons. When we get too busy to bother with the hassle. Have you ever heard that before? I'm too busy to set up my house for Christmas. Too busy to put any decorations out. Too busy to put out that nativity. Too busy to put up a tree. Too busy to make the cookies. Too busy to go Christmas caroling. Too busy. And we get too busy to do our traditions and we just blow through this season of remembrance. 
I want to remind you that throughout our Bibles, God had holy assemblies and traditions and times and places of meeting because he knew it was important for us to pause and remember. Are you hearing me? God wired us up in a way, if you read through the Old Testament, there were all kinds of feasts that he made law for his children of Israel to obey because he knew they were going to get too busy and they'd have every excuse in the world to not make the meal. But you know, it wasn't just about the meal. It was about everything in that meal that represented something, which by the way, all of the things in that meal would point to a future coming savior. God is in to these pauses. God is in to these traditions, especially when they're utilized and leveraged to teach and train and build faith and to continue to give you hope. How many times did the Israelites go through their traditions of Passover while they were in captivity even? Why? Because those traditions kept pointing them to a future deliverance. Those traditions kept them encouraged and motivated while they were going through a difficult situation. Are you hearing me, church? Sometimes we don't do our traditions because we're too busy to bother. Sometimes we're too hurt to remember. And sometimes we're just too discouraged to believe. If you're really honest, you're like, I don't want to sing the songs. I used to do that when I was a child. Those are for kids. I'm too busy. Or bringing back those traditions, bring back too many painful memories. Or maybe you've just been disappointed. You've lost a job. You've gone through a divorce. A lot of hurt and pain. There's a lot of things that oppose and attack us in life. And please do not let your hearts become hardened. Please do not let yourself become cynical and jaded. And sometimes forcing yourself to go do some of these traditions and sing those songs again when you don't want to sing them. Read those stories when you don't want to read them. Put up those decorations when you don't want to. They do something for us and they help sustain you if you're going through a tough time even. I'm telling you, some of these traditions, some of these things will encourage you, bring you back to holy emotions, bring you back to good feelings. Because recently, if you're honest, all you've felt lately is a lot of bad feelings. Let yourself go back and feel some of those early good feelings. Are you hearing me, church? Amen. It sounds like such a simple message, but at the same time, it's very profound to remember why we do these things, not just to fill the calendar. These are spiritual principles. These are spiritual practices that help sustain the body of Christ, the move of God throughout centuries, throughout wars and famines and plagues and all these things. There's always these moments where we come together and we celebrate the birth of the Savior and we sing his songs and we take communion together and we remember and we remember. Faith like a child, say faith like a child. In your Bibles, you can look up Luke chapter 18. Write it in your notes, Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. You know, one of the things about a child is their sense of wonder, their sense of expectation. There's an openness to kids, right? All things are possible, and you begin to talk to them about the star, and you begin to talk to them about Jesus coming in the manger, and you begin to talk about the wise men, and you begin to talk about these things, and they're like, wow. There's a wonder, there's an openness, and God wants us to have a childlike heart, 
an openness, a willingness and quickness to believe kind of heart throughout the entirety of our life. There's nowhere in the Bible where God gives you permission to outgrow a childlike heart. I didn't say a childish heart, I said a childlike heart. I didn't say a naive foolishness or un un uneducated. You know, there's a lot of things as a kid, you know, like what well, the kid doesn't know any better. And, you know, they, they're like that because they haven't gone through a lot of stuff. God wants us to learn the practice of being able to go through a lot of stuff and still maintain an open, curious, wandering, miraculous, believing, faith-filled heart. Do you understand that? He's not letting us off the hook saying, hey, I know life's pretty tough and you're going to get this callous on your heart because people are going to disappoint you. People are going to let you down. There is a devil out there. There is real wickedness and evil out there. The Bible actually warns us and says that we have to then intentionally manage our heart to become like the child. In Luke chapter 18, 15 through 17, one day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering Jesus. You're bothering him. It was never bothering Jesus. I love that. Then Jesus called for the children and he said to the disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. The kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. They'll never enter it. Because there are things in the kingdom of God that the king will ask you to do that you're going to just need to trust him and go do. Are you hearing me? It may be beyond your education. It may be beyond your understanding. It may, it may be to think bigger than you can think right now. The kingdom of God operates in a way where like an openness in a child, the wonder in a child, the father says, I can do it, then I can do it. The father says to go, I'm going because I trust him. Are you hearing me, church? You can celebrate that. Mark chapter 9 is a passage that I've really appreciated in my own journey with believing God for some things that have taken a longer time than I thought they should. Have you ever been there before? Something that you thought should have not taken this long? <laughs> Mark chapter 9, verse 21 through 24, there's a, a man who has a child that keeps having these episodes where this demon comes upon this child and the child tries to kill himself constantly, throwing himself in the water, throwing himself into fire, you know, having all kinds of seizures, all kinds of things. It's demonically driven, this in particular case. And this, can you just imagine, you know, day after day, year after year, right? The dad is wanting to see his son free. The dad is wanting to see his kid not in pain anymore. It's really hard when you watch someone you love be in pain and you can't take it away. It's really hard to walk with people so long and you're, ti you're tired and you know they're tired. You know, and just does something, doesn't it? Into your heart, into your belief system. And you just start getting hurt and cynical and closed and just kind of like, you kind of start giving up on everything, right? That's kind of where this dad's at. He's been waiting a long time, multiple disappointments. He even brought the child to the disciples, Jesus' disciples. And they weren't able to cure him. They weren't able to help him. I mean, how disappointing is that? You bring your loved one to the best physicians or you bring them to the best 
you know, revivals that you know of. You hear about a revival. We've done that before with, with, with our son. Revivals going on in different parts of the country. We've boarded airplanes. We've gone to the revivals asking for special prayer and all those things. And I understand those emotions. I understand those feelings. And in Mark chapter 9, Jesus gets presented with this boy. And Jesus asks in verse 21, he says, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. The father replied, since he was a little boy. So it's been a while, a long time. The spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. There's that kind of last, like, you know, Hail Mary. Like if you can, you know, throw the football down the field. Like if there's anything that could be done. Help us if you can. You kind of hear that desperation in the Father. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Isn't that awesome? I love that. I love that Jesus didn't just do something. He answered the guy's doubt. He answered his hurt. He answered the gentleman's kind of accusation, if you can. Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Of course I can. I'm God. Of course I can. All things are possible if you'll believe. The father instantly cried out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So I'm going back to these traditions again. I'm going back to why don't we set them up? Why don't we sing the songs? Why don't we go through those traditions anymore? Is it because of hurt? Is it because we're too busy? Is it because of disappointment? Is it because we've stopped believing for miracles? Or we stopped having the wonder? We've stopped having the joy? Stopped having the appreciation? We, we don't have the time. Other things just keep crowding it out. And I'm telling us we need to come back to our traditions because they're important. We need to take the time. We need to believe again, no matter what we've been through, no matter what, because all things are possible to those who believe. And the Father says, I don't want to live like this, not believing anymore. And I hope today to, to encourage you or, or provoke you in a sense and say, look, if you've given up on, your, on the promises that God is, has, has spoken over your life, please pick up the promises again. We are at our best when we are believing God. When you get to a place that you've given up and you get to a place where you stop celebrating and thinking about the miraculous and how God does it. He does the impossible. He comes through at just the right time. He has ways to fix it that we've never ever thought, imagined, or ever has even come into our heart. But that's the kind of God that he is. And we are at our best when we are believers. We're called believers, my friend. That is your oxygen. That is your portion. I'm sorry. It's never going to get to a place where everything is always perfect and you don't need to use your faith anymore. You will always need to use your faith on this side of eternity. It's part of what stretches us. It's part of how we grow. It's how we move mountains. You will never get to a place that you don't need to use your faith because you have all the confidence in the arm of the flesh. God won't let you have confidence in all the arms of your flesh. He will always put you in a place where you need Him. Are you understanding me, church? Amen. That's Christianity. Faith. The just shall live by faith. Amen. And so the man is sitting here saying, I do believe, but there's parts in my heart that don't believe, and I don't want those in there anymore. That's where I've been. I've been there. I've been there. There's been times where I'm super excited about healing. Let me just be honest, super excited about healing. And then there's times where I get challenged because there's healings I've been praying for for a long time that have taken longer than I thought. And I don't want to become cynical in the area of healing. Are you hearing me, church? 
Maybe you've been believing, been believing for a financial miracle. We're all different. We have different stories, and it's been taking longer. But don't become cynical in the area of financial breakthrough that God provides and God has ways to pull money out of a fisher's mouth or water out of a rock or manna in the wilderness or quail in the wilderness. These are just things, just God journeys. But what's going on in my own heart is important. Why am I not putting up the nativities? Why am I not singing the songs? Why am I not celebrating this season? Why am I not just shouting from the mountaintops about the power of the nativity, the power of the manger scene, the power of that first Christmas, thinking of all the things that God had to engineer, all the prophecies coming to fulfillment in one point on the timeline, God putting on flesh, coming as a baby. Are you hearing me? The angels standing there, the armies of heaven standing there celebrating this moment, and yet we can't even celebrate and sing a couple songs because we're busy. We got to go. We got things to do. Are you hearing me, church? It's the most significant moment in the timeline of the earth up until that point. Amen. I do believe, help my unbelief, Romans chapter 4, verse 3, speaking of Abraham, who, by the way, is the father of our faith in our historical kind of lineage. R Romans chapter 4, verse 3 basically says this, for the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted it him as righteousness because of his faith. I just want to say that one more time. Abraham believed God, and God counted it or credited it to him as righteousness. One time I was reading that, and it just hit me. Abraham believed God. What if I just paused it right there for a minute? Abraham believed God. That's what he's asking us to do. It wasn't he believed God for this or for that, or you could say he believed God for his child, or he believed God for the land, or he believed God. Yes, that's all true. He did have that. But the real core is this. Abraham believed God. May we be people who believe God. Yes, it can be for a healing. It can be for a financial breakthrough. It can be for your children to come back to the Lord. It could be for your business. That's all well and good. But the root of it is this. We believe God. Whatever God says, I believe him. Amen. Whatever God promises, I believe him. What if my brain can't work it out? What if I can't see it in the natural? Doesn't matter because I believe God. I believe God. That's who we are. That's what we do. But what about this? What about this? Doesn't matter. What does God say? If God said it, I believe it. It's done. It's done. Because no one could have figured out a virgin birth. No one could have figured out how the Savior was going to come and save us all. But that's the story that we live in. That's these things that we celebrate. These are the conversations we're having with our kids and our grandkids around the table. And they can sit there and say, even if they're teenagers, like, oh, we've heard it before. Make them stop and tell them again. We've heard it so many times. Let's see it with fresh eyes. We are at our best when we're believing God. Anyone grow up doing Advent candles? Advent candles? Would you raise your hand if you did? Just okay. <laughs> it's a good thing. Advent candles. I had, um, it wasn't something that was really big into my family, but over the last few years, I've done more reading on it and I've heard more and more about it. One thing I love about this concept, it's a tradition. Some people, it's a tradition that they celebrate and there's a candle that they light uh, one, one week a month up through the coming of Christmas. So the Advent means the coming. Are you understanding that? And so each week represents a different word that we use or are familiar with over the holiday season. 
And you see the words kind of all over in songs, or you see the words on Christmas ornaments, or you see the words in different things that you see, but the words are things like hope, joy, peace, and then the final week is love leading up to the celebration of Christmas, the day that the Lord was born. And I just thought, what a beautiful tradition. Again, I'm not telling you to take on this tradition, but I'm trying to help us with the concept of godly traditions when they're linked with faith. How beautiful to take a whole week preparing your heart, preparing your heart for the morning of Christmas. Isn't that awesome? What if you took a whole week of December and just focused on hope? Who could you, who doesn't need that? A week where you take that one word, hope, and you read scriptures on hope, and you read the stories where, that bring hope throughout the Bible, that you realize where hope comes in this story of nativity, where God gives us hope against all hope. Are you hearing me? You sing songs of hope. What if we allowed ourselves to meditate on why we have reason to hope? We come to church and we get 90 minutes of a message or something. What if we took a week and forced ourselves to talk hope, see hope, sing about hope? Are you understanding why we need our spirit? We go through so much throughout the year. We go through so much stuff and it tries to pull the oxygen of faith out of our lives. And we have to intentionally then infuse that back in. And God's given us the tools through the word of God and through speaking that word and singing that word and sharing it with one another, meditating on that word. But I love that concept of just letting hope rise. Hope joy. Taking a week to talk about joy. What, is, what are some things you have to be joyful about? Making yourself remember the good things, because it's so easy to just think about the things that you're disappointed. But man, we've got a lot to be thankful for. Think about that. You have breath in your lungs. Go like this. I have a lot to be thankful for because I can do that. If you could walk into church today, unhindered and you have the strength to do that, that's something to be thankful for. If you're not in a hospital bed right now, that's something to be thankful for, something to be joyful for, amen? We have eternal life in front of us. Our loved ones are already there dancing. Our loved ones are already there rejoicing. This life is not all there is. That's something to be joyful over. We have joy unspeakable and full of glory, and the half hasn't even been told to us of all the things that we have to rejoice over. Rejoice, and again, I say rejoice. Amen? We have so much to be joyful over. Peace, to meditate on things that bring us peace. Take a week, meditate on things that bring us peace. Reading scriptures on peace. Reading that you have peace with God. That you can have peace with God, and then God could even give us the ability to have peace with one another. And we can go, we can apologize, we can go, we can reconcile with one another. The Bible doesn't want us living in places of broken, fractured, you know, wounded relationships. It gives us the antidote, but we have to have the faith to go do those things. And then a whole week just thinking about love, thinking about how much God loves you, how much God loves you. His love is what compelled him to come in the first place. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That God loved you first 
He first loved us, the Bible says. While we were yet sinners, he loved us. And you think about these things and how they all come together. Faith, I'm sorry, hope, peace, joy, and love. Many of our traditions speak those same four words. Those four words, like I'm saying, you, they're all peppered all throughout our Christmas decorations. They're all peppered throughout the holiday season, but we don't really just pause and let ourselves think about those words. They're not just for the Advent candles. They're not just for those things. Our nativity story has those words expressed in there, right? Hope, the nativity story. God sends the Savior, the hope of the world. Hope has come to us. I love that. When we didn't have hope, a reason to hope came to us. Amen? We have reason to hope. The Savior has come. God personally came. God figured out a solution for the impossible. This nativity story tells us that. Our Christmas carols sing of those things. They have hope. I just want you to start identifying these four words in your traditions. When you read the, when you read the story of that first night, that, that night that I just read, listen for those words. Where's hope in there? Where's love in there? Where's joy in there? Where's peace in there? When you sing those Christmas carols, look for those four words. There's hope in those words. There's love in those, those words. There's peace in there. Receive that hope. Receive that love. Receive that peace. Joy. Reasons to be joy. I, I said them a minute ago. I'm forgiven. I'm free. I'm saved. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I've been given great and precious promises. I have nothing to fear. Amen. I am not simply under the world's kingdom and governance. I belong to the kingdom of God. I've got so much to be joyful for. Amen. And I just love the idea of love, the idea that we were so loved, God sent his one and only son so that we could enter his eternal kingdom. So my challenge to all of us today is to participate in godly, faith-filled traditions. Maybe today you go back home and you do some decorating because like so many, we're just too busy to deal with it. There's some reasons we make ourselves do some of these things. I would encourage you, remember our history. Remember our deliverances through these stories. Remember his promises. Like I said on Saturday, four o'clock, say four o'clock. No, let's keep saying it because it's a different time. We're going to come here for Christmas Eve and we're going to take communion together. And we're going to take communion with faith, not, not vain tradition. We're going to celebrate his victory, both the victory that he did and all the future victories he's already won. Are you understanding? We're going to partake of the body. We're going to partake of the cup. And we're going to testify. We're going to proclaim his victory all the way into our eternity. And so we will do this not in vain traditions, but in life-giving remembrance of hope and a future. Put up the nativity. Sing the songs. Read the stories. Decorate a little bit or a whole lot. Go crazy. Go out and just go do all the decorating you can. Don't lose your childlike faith. Don't lose your wonder. Don't lose your appreciation or expectation. Let yourself think through. Let yourself value. Let yourself appreciate all these things. Remember the meaning of these things. Train your children and grandchildren about these things. Don't just put them up. Take some time to remember. Take some time to remember. That's why even in communion, it's not just take communion. It's do this in remembrance. Are you understanding this? It's don't just set it up. 
do this in remembrance. Don't just sing the song, do this in remembrance. Don't just receive the emblems, do this in remembrance. Why? Because it brings us back to the holy emotions. It stirs up the faith. It gives us confidence for what's to come. Amen? So today my challenge is this. What's one word or tradition that you can meditate on or add this week? Is there one word maybe this week? On the, on the Advent calendar, you're supposed to be concentrating on love this week. Could you do that? Could you say for this whole week, I'm going to do a, a search on love throughout the Word of God. Reasons that are ways that God has loved you. What that love means to you. How the idea of being loved builds confidence where you have no fear in love. The Bible says there's no fear in love. You can go boldly into the throne of grace because you are loved. You don't have to worry about what God's going to say to you or if he's going to throw you out because you are loved. What if you let yourself link into one of these words, hope, faith, joy, love. What if you let yourself this week focus on one of those words and just let that truly grow in your heart and in your spirit? Or maybe you say, you know what, I'm really going to go and do, do some meditating on that nativity. I'm going to meditate on the star and and the wise men. I'm going to meditate on the virgin giving birth. I'm going to meditate on the angels. I'm going to meditate on the proclamation that was made. What does that mean to me? How has that changed things? And so that's my challenge to everyone this week. Go into your home traditions with a different set of eyes. Not just to have traditions, not just to do them, but to let your spirit pull the faith from them. Let your heart and your household rejoice and experience the hope, and experience the peace, and experience the love. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me as we close in a word of prayer. Did you get anything out of that today? Amen. Amen. Let me pray over you, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive, your, receive the Lord as your Savior. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word today. We thank you for the traditions that we have, good godly traditions, things that bring us back back to faith, back to believing, remembering where we've come from, remembering your promises. God, I thank you that we sing the songs with a different set of eyes and ears, that God, we hear what we're saying, that we allow ourselves to sing of our history, to sing of our faith, to sing of what you've done, and let it completely transform us. Help us to have those hearts of belief. We are at our best when we're believing God. Lord, if we've become slow to believe, if we've become jaded or cynical, God, help us to turn and have that openness as a child, that wonder as a child. God, quick to believe and to go with you as you lead us. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you as we come together through the holidays that you bless their family time. Lord, I ask that there be some powerful conversations that happen as grandkids come home, sons and daughters and spouses come home. God, as they're sitting around the family rooms, they're sitting around the dinner tables. I'm asking for supernatural conversations to be released into their homes. God, I'm asking for questions from children that'll bring great conversations that'll impart faith in them forever. God, I'm asking for divine conversations and reconciliations. Lord, may we not dread family coming over worrying about conflict or, or stress. Lord, I pray this, this holiday to be totally different that God, there's so much hope to be remembered, there's so much joy, there's so much peace, there's so much love, that God, there's just a different sense in all of our homes, a different sense in our hearts as we gather. So Lord, I just thank you for the next two weeks 
that there's just something of God, something of faith, something eternal that just sweeps over their lives. We just give you thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Could you, if you agree with that, would you just give it God a good amen, a good celebration on that? Amen. Amen. I would like to give you an opportunity today to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've never called on the Lord to save you, the Bible says this, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I want to give you an opportunity to call on Jesus to save you. If you'll all bow your heads and close your eyes for the next 30 seconds. I'm not going to call you to the front, but right there at your seat, if you say, I have never asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Or I used to have a thriving walk with God, but you know what? I've walked away and I'm not where I should be. And I'd like to recommit myself to Jesus today, if that's you. If you're in either one of those categories, when I count to three, if you'll just simply raise your hand right where you are, I will lead you in a prayer to call on him to save you. Are you ready? If that's you, just simply raise your hand. One, two, three. You need to get right with God for one reason or another. There's a hand in the back. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? I need to get right with God. There's another hand there. I see you. Just put your hand up right where you are, and we'll pray for you today. It'd be our honor to lead you to the Savior. There's a third hand over there. Wonderful. Anyone else today? All right, church, let's all pray together so no one's praying by themselves. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those three? Welcome home. Welcome home. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.